so about last night, the State of the Union address, boy was it something. Let's get into it because the big State of the Union show starts right now. Last night was Biden's State of the Union address. It was a bold move to start the speech at 9 p.m. Eastern to hold three hours after Joe's bedtime, but only one hour after the upper shot they for sure gave him. Now, in case you had better things to do, like watch the season premiere of The Real Housewives of New Jersey or watch Paint Dry, let me give you a recap because I suffered through every painstaking moment of it on your behalf. So let's start out with the positives here. First of all, it's over. So there's that. And given Biden's age, his cognitive decline, and the pack of bloodthirsty fellow comrades on his tail, it could have very well been Joe's last. You never know. But there were other bright spots in the evening. For one, I was surprised Zelensky didn't pinch deliver it on Joe's behalf. So at least we didn't have to see that snake in his ugly tracksuit demanding more money from we the taxpayers. A positive for sure. And secondly, we didn't have to watch Nancy lick her dentures all night, which was a definite Plus, as I could actually eat and watch the speech this year, well, almost. But my friends, that is where the positives end. What I gleaned from all that was pretty much we need to spend more taxpayer dollars on the government to fix problems the government created. Joining me now with his take on what I shall call the nightmare before Valentine's Day is my fellow Fox News contributor, Gianno Caldwell. All right, Gianno, first of all, it's great to see you. I always love having you, and especially in a reaction to what happened last night. So... First of all, I want to say this. Um, it was dull. I found it a little dull. That is my, my top-line thought there. But I want to get your thoughts watching it. Is it what you expected? Well, first and foremost, he looked like the ghost that stole Christmas. And we see that continuously with his tax policy, that's what he intends to do. What I did see is lie after lie, that even to the point that the Washington Post had to put out four Pinocchios for some of the claims of which he made, which you know for the Washington Post saying it about a sitting Democrat, you know that it had to be bad. The idea that Republicans want to steal and do away with Social Security or sunset it was a complete and total lie. That was one of the things that when President Trump ran, when he was candidate Trump in 2016, he often talked about securing Social Security for those who paid into it. We also got to think about some of these other things that he's talked about in terms of unity when he's been one of the most divisive presidents that I would have imagined. I remember a lot of people talking about it being kind of Joe and middle class Joe and Amtrak Joe, when this particular Joe Biden has been nothing but divisive Joe, uh, a lot of people are seeing through that. And then when we think about, lastly, um, how he's calling people like Senator Mitch, not Mitch McConnell, but um, the <laughs> majority leader of the Senate, a fellow Democrat, the minority leader with something that I think a lot of people kind of raise the eyebrow to right in the very beginning of his speech. I think when it all comes down to it, he is a very old president, one who shouldn't be president. And clearly from this speech, you know that his faculties weren't fully there. No, certainly not. And we can also tell that by the fact that he had to yell through most of the speech, which is something we're kind of used to from Joe. But you brought up that moment where Republicans were actively fact checking him during the speech. I want to play that shot for those that weren't lucky enough to witness it in real time. Let's take a look. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> Let me give you anybody who doubts it. 
Contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. <laughs> okay, so that was kind of an awesome moment, to be honest. And I'm surprised that that moment didn't completely derail Joe because the entire time he really looked like he was trying to keep it together. Uh, I was surprised, though. I've never seen that happen before at a State of the Union. Active jeering and fact-checking mid-speech. I know that you mentioned that it was a lie, but what did you think about how audacious Republicans were to just go ahead and start yelling? Well, when it comes to something like the State of the Union, he's supposed to be announcing his candidacy for re-election, knowing that this is the largest audience that he'll have, because, you know, normal people, everyday people, they don't tune in and watch this kind of stuff. They may not be watching cable news every day, so they're not up on everything. So they may tune in for this one night of their entire year to listen to what he has to say. So when you're hearing things like Republicans want to sunset Social Security and Medicare, it was absolutely necessary for Republicans to be active in the conversation because people will walk away believing that. And it is an absolute lie. So yeah, it wasn't to fact check that because this is a very large audience that people can walk away with the wrong idea. So I'm glad the Republicans were booing when some of these things were, were being said because people need to know what the truth is. Certainly, and I think it was a bold move, but it was a necessary move, as you said, because otherwise people would have believed it, and you're absolutely right on that. Another thing that people probably believe listening to Joe Biden speak last night is that he ended COVID. Now, again, he's talking about how COVID ruled, ruled our lives for years. No, he and Democrat tyrants ruled our lives for years. It wasn't COVID that did that. COVID was a virus. But now he's suddenly celebrating it. Now we can move on. Yet they're still fighting to have the ability to mask us in planes. So do you think the average American watching believes his whole spiel about how he defeated COVID and brought back freedom? Oh, and by the way, the jobs that he created because they took them away and then brought them back. He also took credit for that, too. Yeah, and, but I think it, it, Joe Biden has gotten to the point where credibility isn't something that's really on his side when he says things. Remember, when he ran for president, he said that he was going to eradicate COVID. Well, he got in office and people were still dying. You didn't eradicate COVID. You, you had no hand in that. And then you will say, like, oh, yeah, COVID is over, but we still need an emergency order on COVID for student loans. Oh, yeah, COVID is over. But yeah, we want, we want people to back up on planes when the data shows that it is less likely for you to actually um, contract COVID on the plane because of this filtration system. So when you hear these things and they don't match up, you wonder what reality that he's living in. But then you realize he's an 80-year-old man who lies and lies and lies and lies. We talked about his Amtrak story. You, you know how many times he lied about that saying that he was raised by the black church. When he goes into a black church, he looks confused and don't know where he is. When you think about a number of other comments he's made, jumping out of helicopters and all of this other stuff, they're drastic lies, but people have gotten so used to it that it's baked in. So if you want to hear something that Joe Biden has to say, you need to fact check it for yourself because he cannot be believed. He is not the purveyor of truth. And he is simply put a liar. He is, and I want to point out another moment that he was actively fact-checked, in a way, by Republicans, when he decided to talk about fentanyl. A bold move. Let's play it, and I'll get your reaction. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. <laughs> big, 
You got it. Yeah, so they're telling him, yes, we do have a fentanyl problem, but it's your fault or close the border is something else they were saying. I was very surprised that he chose to talk about fentanyl, but not really talk about border security that much. Do you think he really walked into that one or once again, are Americans going to be confused? I think people will be confused because you don't talk about the problem without a solution. And the truth of the, the, the matter is coming from China, we know that it's pouring into the southern border. For the first time in American history, just last year, over 100,000 people, the year before, rather, the data came out last year, over 100,000 Americans have died from an overdose of a drug. And that's all kinds of drugs. So with that consideration in mind, knowing what's going on in, uh, in New York, where the mayor has been calling for help and a change in the immigration policy, where it's going on in Texas, where the Republican governor has been calling for help for years, and they didn't begin to even... It even see it as an issue until people begin to get bust and planed out to places like New York and other other places like that, California and some, and some other places. So with that consideration in mind, this should have been a call for unity. Like, look, I'm calling on uh, Kevin McCarthy, the majority leader and our leader in the Senate to come up with a plan on immigration because it's something that needs to be tackled. We need to tackle this issue head on because Americans are dying. That would have been the right tone. Whether it got done or not from a policy perspective is another consideration. But if he would have at least called for it, acknowledged the pain that Americans are experiencing, their family members dying, mother, brother, sister, cousin, nephew, friends are dying, loved ones are dying because of his inaction. I think that would have been a really strong moment that Democrats and Republicans could have applauded, but that didn't happen. He also didn't address crime very much. He talked about policing and how he wanted to reform policing in the George Floyd Act, but he didn't talk about the crime surge that we're experiencing in our streets every day, something that's very personal to you. He also didn't talk about China uh, much. He spent about seven seconds on China, and it was really convoluted the way he spoke about it. It was very odd, very bizarre. We just had a spy balloon being shot down over South Carolina, for God's sakes, and the man didn't even mention it didn't even mention China, what we were going to do to keep China at bay. Were you surprised that he just completely neglected that very important topic, especially given that whole balloon situation? Well, for China specifically, I wasn't surprised there because China is his Achilles heel. You think about the fact that his son and his family has been benefiting from business deal, sitting on, on boards he has no experience with, collecting money from China left and right. So it's not really surprising for him to bring up things like that, especially when we're talking about the classified documents that he's had in his house. And we don't know outside of hearing some that relate to Ukraine and Afghanistan. We don't know what else has happened there. So why would he mention something that he knows that would personally impact him uh, financially, potentially with his son, in addition to what other policy mechanisms they may have in place to expose them? It is my belief that they were a part of, uh, whether it be intentional or not, the, the COVID was leaked from a lab and, and we've seen reporting on that that agrees with that. So I'm not really surprised on, on that, um, that particular issue in crime. As you mentioned, it is a large, huge issue for so many Americans. My brother was murdered in Chicago last year on June 24th. I've been fighting for justice for him, working with the Judiciary Committee to be the voice for all victims across the country who have experienced this tragedy. Yes, there should be concerns um, from everywhere, no matter what political ideology you may have, Democrat 
a Republican across the whole spectrum because this impacts all of our lives. There should be calls to those progressive DAs who continue not to enforce the law, let people come in and out of jail, where we saw a New York uh, Post article, which reports show that out of, of what, 90% of the crimes were committed by a handful of people. This is insane. He's the leader of the free world, but he's the leader of America first. He should be speaking out against these atrocities that many people are facing. But again, he didn't do that because it doesn't favor his, his political base. And why would you bring up something that progressives are going to hate when he really wants their support for his reelection? So it is not a speech of courage. He didn't say anything that was interesting or new, no big ideas. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of Americans realize he has failed. That's why you see so many Democrats in polling that say that they do not want him to run for reelection. I was also very confused at him focusing on, in the grand scheme of things, very small issues like junk fees and having hotels not charge you resort fees when they're not a resort. I mean, it seemed like little things he put in there that, yes, you know, those things annoy us. But when you're giving a State of the Union, I thought it was really small potatoes. But I also thought this, and, and Marco Rubio talked about this last night on Fox News, what I didn't hear from Joe because like you said, I think he is trying to get into re-election mode. I didn't hear about men getting pregnant. I didn't hear about trans <laughs> activism. I didn't hear about the wokeness. He left a lot of that out. Now, his policies say a different story. But what he tried to do last night is make it seem like he was this uniter and he wants to work with Republicans. Do you think that that was specifically because he wants to announce his re-election? Or do you think he just plain forgot? Because either is really on the table when it comes to Joe. You know, when I talk to Democrats, uh, even some progressives, some progressives, they're really uh, they're, they're post-wokeness at this particular point. The, the labeling has become so toxic and not in their favor that they rather not have those kind of conversations. I think middle of the road folks should talk about independence, which is what you need to win a re-election, what you need to win an election to begin with. They're not necessarily in favor of those things. That's why we saw in Virginia, where the governor, uh, Duncan, why he did so well, focusing on education and keeping wokeness out of education. Those are key elements that I think normal, everyday people care about. And the transgender issue is something that's still not really understood by people. I think a lot of people are questioning the mechanisms of it, how there's this change and language that is being pursued by the Biden White House when they said, we're, we're going to eliminate the word mother and just call them birthing people. I mean, this, this, is, this is certainly not your parents' Democratic Party by no measure. This is a very different, very far left-leaning Democratic Party that we're seeing. But at the same time, they've been so exposed to this stuff that they rather not, rather not talk about these things in public, especially when you have such a large stage, because that, I'm sure, would be a turnoff to some people. Yeah, no, I think he's definitely trying to do what he did during the primary season is pretend like he's this moderate. He's certainly not. His policies say otherwise. No, he's not. Yeah. The he's last not. thing I want to ask you about, though, is uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her response to the State of the Union. You know, a lot of Republicans are very happy with it. I watched it. I was happy with it. I thought that she does represent a younger new guard of the Republican Party. She's still, to me, somewhat of the establishment in the way that she delivered it. But she's the youngest governor. She's a woman. She pointed out that half Democrats don't even know what a woman is. Do you think that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is getting ready for something bigger than just being the governor of Arkansas? 
You know what? It was so interesting that you you uh, pointed in that, uh, rather painted as, as that picture, because I absolutely agree. I don't think it would be now. It might be four or eight years from now. It might be whenever, but certainly I was inspired by her, her speech. She talked about um, her fight for cancer, uh, fight with cancer. I had no idea that she was going on, had that going on personally. But how she talked about God, I thought was really impactful. Thought it was very powerful. I loved how she talked about the executive orders and the packages that she's putting forth on education. I thought that was really good. I like how she um, she really gave a, a contrast to conservative leadership as being a governor with what's going on in the White House. I like how she even talked about the dynamics and generations. Her age compared to this 80-year-old guy who's completely out of touch and out of step, step with mainstream America. I do believe that she could legitimately be a great president one day. When she was uh, the White House press secretary, I thought that she did a really great job of holding to account the press who clearly had an agenda and were biased. So I, I think that we're going to really see what her administration is going to look like. She's just getting started. She just got sworn in two weeks ago. But that was probably the best choice that they could have had to give the Republican response time. I agree. I thought it was a wise choice. And picking a governor right now, Republican governors are hot right now. Okay, we should stick, yeah, we should stick with that. Let's get away from Congress. <laughs> Let's get away from former presidents, though I love him. Let's go with governors. It's hot right now. It's the vibe. Let's stay there. Yeah, Let's stick let's with go. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Let's stick with Greg Abbott. Let's stick with, of course, Ron DeSantis in your great state of Florida. I think that's where we need to stick because it's the Republican governors that did so well. They continue to fight the good fight. And I think that that's where our party is headed, is let the governors lead the charge here and let them be the face of our party. But that's just me. Gianno, it was great to talk to you. I hope to see you very soon. And uh, take care in sunny Miami. You as well. God bless you, Gianno. See you soon. Still ahead, I'll share the BS nugget from last night's speech that chat my behind the most. My final thoughts are next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Last night, Joe wanted you to believe he's a uniter, a guy that gets the job done, and he was really excited about it given the fact he yelled most of his speech. It's time for Final Thoughts.
Like I said, folks, I watched the State of the Union so you didn't have to. And had I watched it on mute with my eyes closed, I might have been impressed. But I also would have missed these moments of sheer comedy and utter BS. Many of, some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it. Unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade. And that's going to exceed <laughs> and beyond that. We're going to need it. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. It just changed. But they just changed it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. But not anymore. Banned assault weapons now. Ban them now. Once and for all. Here in the people's house, it's our duty to protect all the people's rights and freedoms. Congress must restore the right that was taken away in Roe v. Wade and protect Roe v. Wade. We're once again joined by Ukrainian's ambassador to the United States. She represents not her, just her nation, but the courage of her people. Ambassador, is, our ambassador is here. United, we're in uniting our support of your country. Will you stand so we can all take a look at you? Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. I mean, that pretty much sums it up, guys. How he was able to pretend he's a unifier, a tax cutter, a middle-class bolster, and forgotten American remember, I'm just not really sure. Maybe he really has forgotten everything he's done in the last two years. But there was one part of the speech above all others that really chapped my behind where he attempted to use the death of Tyree Nichols, who he called Tyler, by the way, killed by five black men to race bait and claim policing is systemically racist. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Bo, Hunter, Ashley, my children, I never had to have the talk with them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulls you over, Turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry like that. So I'm going to go ahead and point out the very obvious. I am very white and my parents also very white. Yet when I was young, my parents had that mystical talk with me too. They told me to keep my hands where the officer could see them, told me not to reach for anything, told me to comply with the officer, be polite, and do what I was told. That's called basic decency and basic parenting. It's also called how everyone stays alive 101. And if the alternative is telling your kids to disobey officers, grab their weapons, try to run away, or actively resist arrest, well, therein lies the problem we keep repeatedly encountering in this country. My parents didn't teach me how to conduct myself around officers because police are bad. They told me these things because they know what I also know, and most of you listening also know. Police officers have to pull over every vehicle with the mindset they could be attacked, ambushed, ran over, shot, and killed, which is why the talk Joe tried to crap on is so important. 
When you show officers a basic level of respect, guess what happens? Everyone lives to see the light of the next frickin' day. I'm so sick and tired of Democrat politicians in this country throwing our officers under the bus and selling their entire profession down the river. Joe didn't talk about it Tuesday night, but we have a massive crime problem in the USA on his watch. And the only people out there trying to do a damn thing about it are the officers he and his comrades repeatedly crap on. And I'm so sick of it. So Joe can take his State of the Union, his gaslighting, race baiting, and flat out lying and shove it. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.